0: Hello and welcome to Minto Dialogue, episode number 388. Today is Sunday the 13th of September 2020. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast. This week's interview is with Janice B. Gordon. Janice is an award-winning and influential professional speaker, author, and a renowned expert in customer growth. She's also a visiting fellow at Cranfield School of Management Center for Strategic Marketing and Sales. In this conversation with Janice, we explore the nature of sales today, how to win and most importantly, keep customers, what it takes to develop relationships, the role of vulnerability in sales and much more. You'll find all the show notes on Minterdial.com. Please do consider to drop in a rating or review. And don't forget to subscribe to catch all the future episodes. Now for the show. Janice Gordon, how great to have you on the show. So I've uh, only recently come in to understand a little bit more about Janice Gordon. You are specialized and a guru of sales, uh, an author and a podcaster. Janice, in your own words, how do you like to describe yourself?
1: Um, It depends who I'm talking to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure. So, yeah, I, I talk about uh, helping companies, mainly mid cat companies, to scale their sales and doing that through their customers. So often, I don't teach people how to sell, you know, but so often uh, salespeople make it all about them, sales organisations make it all about them, and it's not. Whether you're a small business or a large business, no one's interested in in you at all. It's all about the customer. And after COVID and during this um, pandemic, more so now, and there's so many like interesting examples of why buyers and customers now are looking for companies that have a purpose and companies. That have real core values. They're really looking at how you treat your employees, how you know how happy your salespeople are. You know what are your core values. It's not just about the products or service. It has to be things that align with with their values. So even in B two B sales, they have to be aware of that. And being yourself, having personality and character in the way that you sell is really important because people buy you first of all. Then they'll buy the solution. And then they'll buy the the company, you know, and look if it's credible. But it's all about personal relationships.
0: Well, I absolutely adore what you just said, Janice, on so many levels. So first of all, you say it's really about the customer. But when you go in and work with these medium-sized clients, how do you organize that? Let's say it sort of sounds obvious on paper. Everyone always says we are customers king but it certainly doesn't feel like that for customers. And so how do you go about reorganizing, if you will, one of your customers so that they get to more scalable sales?
1: It depends on what problem they're approaching me with. So I can give you a couple of examples. So there was one publishing company and they were losing a lot of their um, sales to new incumbents that were coming along. And the thing is, when you have these long legacy companies and we've always done it this way and then you have these new startups that don't know about the legacy and they don't know about this is you know the sales process they actually do it instinctively and they really are interested in learning about the market the customer they ask all those the right questions and so they uncover opportunities and they design products they innovate and co-create with the customer and they get into the market so you have then the legacy companies are following the process they're just following the process they're doing what they've always done and so it's really understanding that you almost need to forget what you already know and put yourself in the shoes of the customer so it could be role-playing and I am I'm often devil's advocate and I love doing um, that with because you know I like to kind of um you know, get them off balance a little bit because so I'm going to be the new incumbent, they're the customer and give them that experience or reverse it and they are the, the salespeople and I'm the customer. And slowly, when you see things visually, when you act it out, when you're role-playing it, the light bulbs come on because I can sit and I or stand and preach To them all day, and you've always got. It's all about me. I know what I'm doing. I've been in the industry 25 years. What can you often, as a black woman, you know, teach me? They think I'm younger than I really am. So actually, when you put them in that situation, there's this little area of uncomfort, and then you get the light bulb. Mm. So that that's kind of one one situation. Perhaps I'll you know talk about others as I go along. Really.
0: Well, sure. I mean, you, you. I mean, by being a black woman, of course, it also can help. Bring a little bit of you know out of left field as far as the typical ways of going, and that's presumably rather refreshing. You, you say you, they think you're younger. well that feels for me quite natural just when you listen to the energy in your voice, and that's something that you also tend to talk about the fact that you have energy. And, and when you look at these legacy companies, one of the issues is lethargy, <laughs> right where they seem to be beset. By legacy processes, well, we can't do it that way. That's not the way things are done around here. And you see their shoulders dropping. Of course, there's good intentions behind it, but somehow to break through. And and so, if you are doing that kind of role playing, it also sounds like you're bringing to them empathy lessons.
1: Absolutely. You know, like I love going into uh, organizations where, you know, I'm kind of more or less the only one. (laughs) i'm used to it the, you when know, you I,
0: say that the only black person is that the only, you only
1: you black um woman, woman you know because okay. that's a double whammy mm. it is so yeah i i quite because so then you get people that are either a bit standoffish not too sure and all of that and i do you know my one of my um mottos is having a healthy disrespect for authority <laughs> i don't see a need to prove myself you know, I'm. I'm. I was invited here. I'm here, and I'm. I'm not here to convince you of anything. You know, I have certain skills, and I really want you to do well, and that comes across. People know that I absolutely. It's all about them. So slowly, the guard starts starts to come down. What I often find is that the uh, the the team of people that I'm working with because there's so many light bulbs, because I'm focused on each individual person that has different needs, as they should in an organization they're going into. So it's about kind of finding what's the thing that can switch on that person. So some people love technology, other people are afraid of that. Some people like the relationship, other people just want the process. You've got to find what's the thing that turns them on. Because the thing is, unless you find that, you're always going to have, well, I know what I'm doing, I'm afraid to do it. So find the avenue in order to make those changes. Then, when you've got the team that's on your side, you need to give them quick wins. They need to prove that it works. So you might set them a task when they go out, and they come back, and they they have they think, oh, this will never work. You know, it's almost like my dad. He's um he's skyping all over the place at the moment with the pandemic, and I remember when I was there, his lawn is like Wimbledon. He <laughs> loves his lawn. We call he hoovers the lawn. You know, he's there, kind of with his tweezers, all of that. That's funny. Once when I was there, um, there was these beautiful calip- um, um, caterpillars, just gorgeous, and there's me taking pictures, putting them on Twitter. And he was saying they're not going to last that long because they're ruining his lawn. And so I then um, posted the picture and asked people, what, what, can, what can you do about these caterpillars that's not going to completely you know, destroy, destroy them? My dad will just use chemicals. He's of that generation. Within seconds we got back an answer and even now he retells the story of how someone in Australia told us what to do and told us everything about this caterpillar. So you've got to find that thing, that hook that will open them up. Now he is skyping up you know like nobody's business in fact he hands up the phone when the video isn't working because he says it's not working and I says dad it is working I can hear you it's audio like when did phones (laughs) the the old days right yeah exactly so once you find one thing give them a success then they start to take on more technology, new ways of doing things. They absolutely love it, but you've got to find that hook to open them up. From an organizational um, point of view, back to your original question, you either have an enlightened CEO that is really yeah. customer focused and you know is wanting to change the organization and bring around the legacy and all of that, which takes a long time. But you know what? When it comes from on from um the grassroots when these are the people that are wanting to make the changes i think that happens a lot quicker in organizations you know because they're actually going to do it in their own little ways anyway you know so what I will find is the team will then say to the sales leader who was, and because they're getting quick wins, that's when the executive teams are thinking, well, what are they doing? And that's when the board is thinking, well, why am we doing more of this? So you've kind of almost got to have it from, you know, chief executive that's in already enlightened and needs your help to do it. But also you've got to have it from the ground roots. Otherwise it's not going to filter down through the organization.
0: Well, you're very persuasive in the way you say that. I tend to be more cynical about the bottom-up approach because if the top doesn't want it or or is against it, then good luck. It's, you know, let's say, a, a, another form of a glass ceiling. One, one of the things you were mentioning before, you said um, it's all about them, the, the customer. And what's interesting at a meta level, Janice, is that you seem to have that approach as a speaker, which is it's all about them finding the... The, the hook at, at the individual level in a room when you're speaking to them which speaks to me a lot and then what you're also informing them to do is go and get the hook with their customers and be about them so you're really practicing what you preach
1: yeah yeah I, I think that's the way um you know we've all been in rooms where with the ego ego is bigger than the room
0: oh my gosh (laughs) absolutely off
1: off, off camera we're talking about the uh, professional speaking association you know you've got to go on stage like you really know it but then there's a certain softness in that as as well about i'm here for you and and i that's kind of what my DNA is, it's not about you. And I think when people, whether it's a big audience or it's an individual, um, Stephen Kelly, um, the um, previous uh, CEO of of Sage, 1.5 billion company. I'm, you'll often see us kind of having a chat on Twitter. I'm a Sage business expert and that's how I met him. Whenever I've spoken to him, he's, his eyes are on me. He's completely focused on on me. And I've noticed he does that with other people. That is a great skill, especially mm. as a leader. You've got to have complete and utter commitment and focus on that person and really use your active listening skills. If you're in sales and you're not doing that, and we know there's a lot, yeah. you know, you've got to have active listening skills. So it's not only you're actively listening, but you're telling them in your body language you're actively listening. Yeah as well and having that just makes you a, a leader if you're using the material i tell you what i worked with um what if an innovation um uh company and they did the customer experience before the customer experience was all over you know england and whatever and the one thing that i learned and i think that's changed the way i, I, I deliver and what i do i learned that your customers your customers your best innovators and creators you know, so that's why it's all about them and not about me, because the thing is, if they can give me something that helps them, you know, they give me the the idea, the nugget, the information, and I can take that and then I'm selling it back to them. Why wouldn't I want to do that? Mm. So, you know, really listening to your audience, interviewing your audience before you speak to them, you know, really listening to your customers and, and actively listening. Really, if you're a CEO, a leader, really listening to your people because they're the best Creators and innovators—they have the best mm-hmm. ideas. If you start to think with your ego that I know everything, I know what I'm doing, you know, I'm in control, that's when you're absolutely lost. I mean, think of you know the um, uh, the previous um, um, e- economic disaster, 2008, the economic crisis. That was because we had groupthink. you know, that's because we weren't doing active listening. That's because we weren't surveying our audience, our, you know, our population properly. That's because we had people in banks who were making stupid decisions and, and they weren't actually running that by the the audience, the people that are actually using the material.
0: Somehow it makes me think that what we have lost is common sense. I wanted to go into, there are a couple of things that, that struck me. Um, first of all, I wanted to go into a, an idea of how when you have puppy love, it, it it can appear to be all about the other. You know, you're at the service of this beautiful person in front of you and, and oh, everything's beautiful and wonderful and they're the best and, and you're very attentive and, and more flowers and more this is and that's, And then things change. Let's say, you know, time goes along and the, reflexes become a little slower and i and i'm thinking of it as like the legacy system comes into place because even in a legacy organization there's that sort of sense of puppy love when you conquer a new client and then it it, it slowly de- degrades and and people don't think about the customer as much they've got them and they keep them in so, how do you keep that sense of puppy love, if you will, whether in a legacy or in the you know uh, emerging competitors you were mentioning before?
1: The most important thing now is retention uh, that you 've got businesses that are accelerating their, their growth because they're in certain um, verticals, whether it's food, you know, that are really doing very well. Then you have those customers that whether travel, um, hospitality that are not doing quite quite so well. So you're always going to have um, a variety of companies that are at different stages of the growth um, life cycle.
0: When you are dealing with sales, there's, there's the conquest of a new customer, And then there's that beautiful feeling. Oh, tick, I've got a new customer, probably because I'm being incentivized to open up this new door. And then it's a brilliant relationship. We've got this great new feeling. And then little by little, that installs itself, much like in a relationship, you go from puppy love to an established relationship, marriage and all that. And and that comes with, let's say, challenges to keep that sort of incentive to want to listen to the other which you can even have an empathy with this close communication bias. So how do you imagine or keep that sense of listening to the other? It's all about you when things sort of tend to degrade over time, it seems.
1: I think that, you know, there's kind of different levels here. One is, you know, the economics of it. When we're talking about retention, you can... Grow your company, accelerate the growth of your company by keeping your existing customers, keeping them happy and actually you know cross selling, upselling, you know get, getting more from them and peers listen to peers more than they'll listen to a salesperson advertising all of that so if you can get a peer. Uh, a a, a customer advocate that absolutely loves you because you've always given them great service. The experience is great. The product is great. They really like you. They're more likely to refer you to other people. And then the sales cycle is a lot shorter. You know, so it's kind of just the economics is you're gonna grow your business. You're gonna earn more commission if you do this, you know, it's not the cycle of sales. We hate the long cycles and they're getting even longer. If you wanna shorten them, look after your customers. So there's that um, aspect of it, but also it's about your own mindset about what you're really here to do.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that previously uh, the sales team, and in fact the words we still use, crushing sales and mm-hmm. hunter and all of these things, this is why the sales industry has had a real difficulty in recruiting uh, uh, enough women into yep. the industry I, I was, and you often get women they crush sales they absolutely crush sales but in a lot of industry because they use this kind of emasculated language it really puts people off because they think well am I going to have to crush people in order to earn a living it's not really what I want to do so I think a lot of the industry has got to change its language, it's got to change its processes, and it's got to stop thinking about itself and inventing things for itself. And I think that unless they do that, they're not really going to have much of a future because things are changing, especially COVID now has changed the way people looking at what they're investing their time and their money in. And if it doesn't is, if it isn't aligned with their own values, then they're choosing to vote with their feet and their money and they're not investing in it.
0: When I, I studied women's studies at university. So I, I tend to have a, a very large regard with this notion of let's say the female or the feminine way. And the book You Just Don't Understand, Men and Women in Conversation by Dr. Deborah Tannen was very formative for me. It was well before Venus and Mars, women and men. And it it talks about how generally, generalizations being what they are, men are into report. And when you think of sales, reporting is sort of a primary consideration. In, In Tannen's book, she says, when we think about Women, it's more about rapport, so relationship, and of course, actually in sales, you do tend to think about relationships. But we tend, to, it seems, that so many companies seem to be more eager to gain the new clients than keep the old ones because the old ones, I know them, but oh, they're boring. They're still complaining about this and that, and it just, it just feels that we should have more relationship. Than, or rapport, then we should report.
1: I, I would agree. But you think about sales, how, how are salespeople trained? They're trained to hunt, hunt aren't they? Mm. You know, the whole kind of sales system. You know, I remember uh, being in financial services in the 1990s and at eight o'clock on a Tuesday, we had to stand up and cold call, eight o'clock in the morning and in the evening. So it was a really long day. And it was really just to talk to you. i mean it is a skill you do need to have i mean mean, it's 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 great to know the process but it's kind of becoming irrelevant now you know no one's interested in being sold to um even in b to be their individuals they're used to buying things on ebay and amazon in their personal life that's what they want in their professional life they expect that kind of empathy and and story and personality in what they're doing why should it be any different just because you're in a box that's called an office it shouldn't be any 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 different But salespeople are taught to recruit, to go out and hunt and recruit and to sell. They're not taught the bit afterwards. This is the continue to build the relationship and nurture and you're actually going to get more. But this is the bit that's most most important now. And the economics tell us this is the best way to grow your business. There's pointless bringing people in at the top end of the funnel if you're losing great customers at the bottom end that already have some experience with you. The only reason why they are complaining is because you're not doing a great job you know sort that out first as pointless pouring more people in at the top if you're doing a rubbish job because they're just going to go out the bottom and your margins are tiny for the new customers compared to the ones where you don't have to invest so much in them and they will order and order and order again so the economics tell the story really and that's what you need to do the problem is The legacy system is set up with these sales processes and it's really hard to change the mindsets and to change the system around for them to be more consultative and relational.
0: It makes me think of at L'Oreal, a big focus that we had being very brandy marketing focus was all about new and we paid particular attention to the innovation cycle. And innovation is is nothing other than uh, capturing new territory. So it's installing a new product in an in in, in in an embedded base, and that, that, so you're always sort of pushing new frontiers, even with an old relationship, and sort of keeping it new via new, if you will. One of there are two other things I'd like to get into, Janice, in in our conversation, and one of them again is a little meta, which when you talked about the ego of a speaker, because in the end of the day, sales is unfortunately known more for speaking than listening. Having an ego on stage means you're an authority, you know your way, knowing your product is good when you're selling it. And yet, as you have cited in one of your blog posts, vulnerability is an interesting place. And I tend to believe that if you can show vulnerability, people connect with you more. But if you start off by saying, well, you know, my product's a piece of shit, not going to go well. So to what extent do you think that resonates? And, and how can you bring vulnerability into a sales position without being called out for being weak or, you know, un, ineffective?
1: You know, I think it's just being real. You know, sometimes we lie to ourselves quite a lot, don't we? Um, My brother died um, six years ago, and there's no way I could sell. I was just for about two years the saddest of the sad. Mm. And you cannot sell from when that's kind of in your core, really. Mm. So, you know, it's just being honest about, you know, I'm having a bad day and I'm not feeling well. I mean, you don't go into a sales situation, you know, like that, but actually you have human relationships, you know, and you have human, you know, needs and emotions. And if you have healthy relationships with your customers and, and your influences and stakeholders, then, you know, I think when you're honest, it gives everyone else, permission to be honest Mm. and they they like you all the more because of that because you've allowed them to let down their guard as 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 well so you know i'm i'm not saying that you're kind of crying in a sales meeting that that really won't work at, at all but actually you build up a relationship outside of the sale that's what you do you should be calling your customers you know if you call them six times in a year then only one of them should be a sales call the others should be an active listening checking in how can i support what can i do for you having a conversation that you know about p- comparing notes on your kids you know or something like that or you mm. know, somewhere where they could they feel that they can talk to you and it's not going to go anywhere else that's when you become a trusted advisor so that they can say i'm not sure what i'm doing here you know, do you know anyone that can help me? Because you can't always get back within the company. That's what the kind of relationship, you're just people. You know, I don't know why we have in our heads that we need to pretend to be something that we're not. You're just people and you're both there earning a living. That's a leveler. You know, now we're starting from a level playing field. Just be yourself and build a relationship. And often you will find they'll say, you know, remember you, I know you do this. Um, It will be really good if you could do that for us as well. And, you know, often that's I'm called in because I've got relationship with someone first and they feel comfortable with me and then they ask me to do more and more and more and they trust that, you know, um, I'm, my integrity, that it's not going to go anywhere else.
0: Just by the way you answer my questions, I feel that coming off. You say we are just about people and the reason why the analogy with the report And rapport speaks to me is that you put the emphasis on the rapport as opposed to the report. We're just numbers, you know, trying to get our objectives at the end of the year. And it seems like one of the big screw-ups in sales generally are the way we incentivize sales. It's very hard to just say, well, you know, over the next three years, I want you to keep X number of customers, because they usually, well, they've also got to grow the customers and it's a longer term process. And, and we tend to want to put our, our finger on the pulse and, mm-hmm. and push it in. for next. What are you, how are you doing this week? How's it going? How many clients have you got? Yeah. So the last area I wanted to talk about, and, and you kind of addressed it in the opening, which is about how things have seemed to have changed during the pandemic period and this idea of purpose. My philosophy and in my new book, I talk about being inside out, which ironically could sound different or maybe the complete opposite of what you're talking about, which is all about them. I tend to say you need to focus on the employees first before you start thinking about the customers. So in that, there are a couple of things, which is, of course, you still want to be about the customer, but somehow you need to believe as an employee and and so you need to believe in your product not just yeah 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 not just because it's a paycheck at the end of the week and therefore the real work is on making the employees believe in their purpose before it's even a purpose that's relevant and resonating for the customer what do you think about that
1: I remember I, I followed Richard Branson for, you know, a long time, and I was a real fan of um, Virgin. And, you know, his whole philosophy is, you know, it's all about the in- employees. And, and, you know, I get that, and I do not disagree with this. You cannot give great customer experiences if your employees are happy. You cannot sell if you are unhappy. You know, all of these things. So, um, do you know, I think it's th- – <sighs> It's honestly, you've got the company, you've got the customers, and you've got the employees. Unless those three things, and I've drawn this before, is in balance, really. It's not like there's one more than the other. The problem is, is we often forget about the customers. And this is why I talk about the customers so much. And especially in sales, we're crushing it and all of that. Mm -hmm. That's why I focus on that bit. Because if you get the company right and the culture and the purpose, it attracts the right type of people in that are really engaged with the purpose and the culture. um, They're going to love what you do. We were talking earlier about, you know, innovative, young, companies they have to have that that they have to have that purpose in, in in place the legacy companies normally have to design it in and the larger they are the more difficult it is and that's why you really need to have a strong charismatic leader but in that's their job is to make sure they're constantly talking about the purpose and galvanizing the people and allowing people to fly in the organization um so the reason why i talk about customers because it's often lost if -hmm. you get those other uh, other bits right the company um uh, the purpose attracting the right people allowing them to to fly they can the company is the product and service anyway really isn't it then they need to make sure they work on 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 the customer bit really um if the if the um employees and the customer bit isn't right doesn't matter what you do with the customers really because it's just gonna you know (laughs) die anyway so it is like a triangle they've all got to be in balance my focus on customers because that's the bit that's forgotten and now more important than ever
0: you mentioned the sage ceo i don't remember I've, i've forgotten his name
1: Stephen kelly
0: Stephen kelly how he when you're talking to him you feel like you have his full attention. I'm going to guess, and partly because you are a very engaging lady, Janice. Also, it's that sense of ability to zero in and focus, and maybe there's an element of charisma that's in there as well. But it means getting rid of the ego head. And I, I've, I've for the last five years, I've become a, a massive convert to meditation and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. I somehow believe that if a company and a sales team in particular practice meditation and mild mindfulness, that that too would up their ability to listen and zero in on the customer. Your thoughts?
1: Um, yeah, I've been doing yoga and meditation uh, for, I don't know, 30 years or, or so.
0: Yeah. So you're um, a lot better position to talk about it than I am.
1: Well, I, you know, we all go on our own journey, don't we? Um, Gosh that would be really interesting. Can you imagine like traditional sales team actually sitting them down and getting them to do um meditation. I that totally. Would be a challenge. <laughs> do you know, I think we uh, I've I've interviewed a lot of people about COVID and empathy comes out quite a lot as if empathy um didn't exist before COVID. Sure and um or, or
0: for that matter purpose or custom yeah,
1: exactly exactly i mean it's good we, we are talking about now so fine um i i think that's a huge stretch for um a lot of people i think there are a lot of people that are on that path anyway it's not a stretch but you know you think of what you what you think of as a typical salesperson in our minds i know that's changing um I think it would be great, but I think it would be quite a challenge. I think if they can, what is the steps to get there, to a stage where they are will relax enough to allow their mind to take control and wander, meander, and look at the things that come up and be brave enough to investigate those things, because um, even for me doing it for years I sometimes go into like I'm in the womb and I feel my back is broken and I'm you know in that zone and it's for other people it's difficult for them to get there for me it's easy but I tell you what it's scary it is when you go into meditation really deep it can be quite scary because you're completely not even in your own body so I'm thinking about what is the link? Cause I think that's quite a personal thing. What is the link to be willing to let go of self? What is that the link to the customer and doing a great job and active listening and all of that? I think you become a better person. Mm-hmm. I think you become uh, more in tune with yourself. And so you could be in tune with other people better. Um, but I, I'm not sure, I don't know, what, what do you think?
0: Well, I, I, I I'm convinced of that. And I like the fact that it's, let's say, quote unquote, dangerous. It's a different space. Because I think that is the journey of life. And the closer you are enhancing people's lives as employees, the stronger your purpose is, because you're no longer there just to serve the corporate shareholder you are making your employees better people, you make them feel better about themselves, which, by the way, is just a beautiful thing, a beautiful gift. And I'm not saying it is in replacement of the paycheck. But it is a much stronger sense of belonging when you, you feel like they have your back as an employee. And so when they're doing that, of course, there are are going to be deviations. And one of them might be, I realize I'm not working for the right company. These, these are the types of things you might uncover when you allow for a more personal discussion to have. Last we, question. We've
1: had that. Don't you think we've had that during COVID going out, you know, doing the clapping on Thursday? You know, we're talking to our, our, our neighbours and, and we feel that now we're a part of the country. We're helping to pull it together. You know, our focus has been for the good. The more people have gone out and volunteered, So I think that that doesn't necessarily have to happen within, I mean, it's great if it happens in your company, but it's even better if it happens in your country. (laughs) I mean, that is massive. If you can have that impact on all people um, that are, you know, wanting to give back, because when you do that, you just feel better about the world and everything, you know? So
0: so Janice Gordon for Prime Minister, <laughs> I'm thinking. Um, it, it does feel that when you mentioned, let's say, of your six calls, one of them is about the the deal, the product, the sale, and the other five are, are going to be surround sound, how are you doing, feeling. It does feel that that is something that was more preponderant during this pandemic period where if you had a Skype like your father did with the beautiful story of the caterpillar, you um, just a reminder uh, that when you go into a call, it's almost grotesque just to go straight into the call or the purpose of the call, that there needs to be some surround sound. And so that whether it's in the background, you know, you have a perfect background. I have I know my miserable background. People don't need to see it. But, you know, your cat jumps up on your, on your lap. Your child screams, mommy, I need something. Or, um, or something else. Then your personal life is part of your Zoom or your Skype. And, and it, that for me feels like an allegory of how we should be in our um, professional space, whether it's at work or with our customers.
1: Absolutely. And that's what I love about this time. I mean, on the BBC News, you see people what their homes are like, what their kitchens are like, you know, you you now see the whole person, there's there's no hiding or when the kids come in when you least expect it and and you're on the news, you know, we now love those people instantly. We love the way that, you know, this uh, doctor, I think it was, was speaking to her daughter that was interrupting the call and all of these things. This is life. This is reality. This is what happens, you know? So it's great when we begin to see that. And and now I think, do you know what I think in, in marketing? Unless we see the real person, unless that comes across, this is why video is so important. Unless we really understand what their stance is, I don't think we're going to trust people anymore. We certainly don't trust kind of politicians and things, but I think just on a day-to-day basis, unless we can see your social footprint and get a sense of who you are, I really think that you're going to be judged negatively rather than positively. And I think the COVID and and, and people having to show the whole of themselves, I think we're going to now expect that.
0: Janice, on these uplifting words, how can someone track you down, follow what's your best way to connect uh,
2: Buy your book,
0: of course, yes. um, and, uh, and otherwise uh, understand more from you.
1: Well, you know, give me um, a call, contact me on, on LinkedIn. If you put in Janice B Gordon, G O R D O N on LinkedIn, I'm on page one, two, three, four, you know, whether it's YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, contact me just i'd love to have a conversation with any of your your listeners um my book is business evolution creating growth in a rapidly changing world you can get that on on amazon but yeah i my podcast scale your sales please do also kind of go there and have a listen in
0: i will put all those in the show notes janice thanks so much for being on the show
1: oh it's been an absolute pleasure love talking to you and thank you for inviting me
0: it's my pleasure
2: of a woman challenge, I know soon we all die, I like the feel of a stranger tucked around me, precipitating the danger, to feel free, trust in my reason, and let me show you why.